You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family. Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad that you tuned in today, and we are unpacking some resurrection stories. So the Gospels and even the book of Acts gives us a few snapshots of some of the things that Jesus did during the 40 days while he was resurrected, but still with the disciples on earth before he ascended to heaven to be with the Father. And today I want to read from John's Gospel, and I just want to share um, a resurrection appearance that we talked about in my small group Sunday morning, and maybe some of you did as well. I want to talk about Thomas. So we, we call Thomas Doubting Thomas, but I think that's unfair. I really don't think Thomas was a doubter. I know it makes a really great preaching point, and in fact, probably young in my career, I preached it just that way, that Thomas was a doubter. Let's don't be doubters. But when I read the biblical narrative more carefully, I see that John was not trying to present Thomas to us as a doubter. In fact, I don't think that was the case at all. We've already seen Thomas in John's gospel, determined that Jesus' trip to Jerusalem was going to lead to his death, and he said, well, let's go there with him so that we may die. (laughs) So Thomas doesn't sound like a doubter to me. He sounds like a guy who's really actually pretty committed. But let's take a look at John chapter 20 and see what we can learn from Thomas. Maybe, maybe we should change his nickname. So in John chapter 20, verse 19 Uh, you're going to see that Jesus appears to all the disciples except Thomas. So Judas is already gone. That leaves 11. Thomas isn't here, so that's going to leave 10. So 10 disciples are going to see Jesus. Let me read this passage. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed, The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If any of you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If any of you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Pretty powerful moment. And I mean, let's face it, this speech from Jesus when he gives the Holy Spirit for the first time to his church and says that, listen, if you forgive people of their sins, their sins will be forgiven. And if you don't, they're not forgiven. You know, that's not because you and I have the power and authority to forgive sins. Now, we're the representatives of Jesus on earth. But the truth is the gospel of the forgiveness of sins in Jesus, it's in our hands. And if we don't get it to people, how would they have their sins forgiven? That's a lot of weight on us, but it's what Jesus said. Well, back to Thomas. So Thomas is not here. He misses this first visit from Jesus. And so in verse 20, the text says that after Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed. Well, Thomas missed that, but all the other 10 disciples got to see the hole in his hands and the piercing in his side. Every disciple got to see Jesus. They saw proof of his death. They confirmed that it was in fact Jesus raised from the dead, and they're overjoyed. So now verse 24. 
This is the passage where we've given Thomas the nickname Doubting Thomas. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. First thing John says is clearly Thomas missed that. He was not there. John tells us that on purpose. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, that's a strong statement from Thomas, very strong. But he's really alluding to exactly what the other 10 guys got to experience. They believed, not because they were had people of great faith or because they weren't doubters like Thomas was. They believed because they had already gotten to see the nail holes and the spear mark. Thomas is just asking for the same physical reminders that the other guys got. So verse 26, A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. That's exactly what he said last time. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And that's where we get the nickname Doubting Thomas. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. This is a very powerful declaration of Jesus. In fact, when Thomas calls Jesus my Lord and my God, this is one of the evidences that we have that Jesus knew that the early church revered him as God. It's part of the reason that we understand that Jesus was part of the Trinity and not like an angel or like a person that was anointed by God, but part of the Godhead is because he allows Thomas to call him God and Jesus did not say, oh, Thomas, I'm not God. Instead, Jesus allowed Thomas to make his accurate confession, my Lord and my God, and Jesus didn't stop him. So Jesus walks up to Thomas. He invites him to put his hands uh, in the nail holes to touch his side to recognize the physical reminders that Jesus really is the same guy that died on that cross. Jesus lovingly gives Thomas exactly the physical evidence that he needs. And then he tells him, so stop doubting and believe. And Thomas did it. Boy, did he ever. So verse 29 Listen to this very carefully because this is John's point. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. And blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. All right, hold on. Wait a minute. Think about this. Jesus appears to 10 disciples and they believe. Thomas missed out on it. He wasn't physically present. Thomas says, If I could see it, I'd believe. So Jesus allows Thomas to see it. But in 40 days' time, Jesus is going to ascend to the Father and he'll no longer be with the disciples on the earth. So there's going to be very soon a generation of people who would not be able to touch his hand and see the piercing in his side. In other words, the future of the church will fall on witnesses who can give evidence of the resurrection of Jesus without Jesus physically showing up to give them what Thomas got, to give them what the other 10 got. So these highly convinced disciples are going to have to be able to produce evidence of the resurrection of Jesus without being able to show people. Jesus said, you've believed because you've seen, but blessed are those who, like all of us in our generation, will believe without being able to see. And so this is the calling of the church as disciples of Jesus, to be able to demonstrate to the world the resurrection of Christ so that even though they cannot physically touch him, 
they can see evidence of his resurrection. So John writes the purpose for his gospel immediately after this episode. And he clearly says, I wrote all of these things so that you could make a decision to follow Jesus, so that you could have reason to believe. Now, it's almost as if John follows this by saying, hey, listen, you're not going to be able to touch the side of Jesus. And so I've written this gospel so that you would be able to consider who he was and make your decision. So here, I'll read it to you. Verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So what about Thomas? Well, he did doubt, but I don't think that's the main function that Thomas serves here. I think Thomas is a bridge. I think he's, in John's gospel, he helps you appreciate the leap of faith we take when we see all the evidence of God the evidence of Christ, the changed lives around us, the movement of the Spirit, when we put our minds to understanding what God's done, and then we have to reach out in faith and believe and trust Christ for who he says he is, even though we won't be able to touch his side and his hands, just like Thomas missed that opportunity, but then he got it later. Well, one step further from that is all of us who missed that opportunity, and we won't have it until we live with Christ in the resurrection. And so I think John was preparing the church for our opportunity to witness. And that's the reality you and I live in. There's a world around us that has good reason to struggle believing that Jesus raised from the dead. I understand why lost people would say, are you sure he raised from the dead? That's hard for me to believe. They're sort of where Thomas was. And you and I can't bring them the physical body of Jesus, but what we can do is we can give them an accurate representation of the life of Jesus. We can share the gospel of John. We can be a living witness. We can share what Christ has done for us. And we can be there to give the world evidence of the resurrection of Jesus so that with our testimony, they could believe. So church family, I'm just asking us to be faithful to our head, who is Christ. We are the body of Christ. Let's accurately represent him and witness for him on the earth so that others may see and believe. Thanks for listening to these couple of stories this week about the resurrection of Christ. I hope that you are blessed as you live in light of the resurrection of Jesus. God bless you. Can't wait to see you.